The following shiur has been delivered by Diane Yosef Greenwald, Diane at the Betavad. For more information or shiurim, please visit theshc.org or call 1-844-200-TSHC. That's 1-844-200-8742. In Parashat Behalotcha, we have an interesting, in the middle of the discussion of the sojourns of the travels of Bnei Yisrael and the Midbar, Sefer Bamidbar as a whole is not a halachic sefer. It's the story of Cloud Yisrael going through the trials and tribulations and all the ups and downs of the 40 years in the Midbar. And whenever there's a mitzvah, it's because it's related to one of the stories. And uh, in the middle of Parashat Bahalotcha, there's a parasha of those that were traveling along, this is the second year when Klal Yisrael comes out of Mitzrayim. And the first year, of course, they were, they brought the Karban Pesach in Mitzrayim. That was the great, uh, Karban that led them out of Mitzrayim. That was the Schut that took them out of Mitzrayim. The Misirat Nefesh that they showed in slaughtering the lamb, which was the Avodah Zarah of the Mitzrayim. And in the second year, there were those that approached Moshe Rabbeinu and they tell him, and they tell him, Lama nigera, why should we lose this great schut of bringing the Karban Pesach? Because uh, we were Tameh. These men said to him, the wording of the Pasuk is a little bit strange. They said to him, they are Tameh, we have become Tameh, we're not fit, ritually fit to bring the Karban. Why should we lose? And Moshe Rabbeinu came back with the answer from on high, from Hashem, that uh, they were to bring a Karban Pesach Sheni. Here's where it's Nitchadesh. Again, this is obviously part of the uh, experience of Kalal Yisrael in the Midbar. And maybe we could even explain that, that the 39 years in the Midbar, there was a lot of ups and downs of Bnei Yisrael. Karban Pesach is supposed to be the height of spiritual closeness to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And what happens if a person is not Ra'ui? What happens if he's not fit? Don't despair. There's always another chance. There's always Pesach Sheni. One of the lessons of Sefer Bamidbar is you can always climb up and come close again to Hashem even where you feel you've fallen, even where you're far away. In any case, these people come to him. It's not clear who they were. Uh, there are different versions in uh, Midrashim where they those that took out the dead bodies of Nadav Avihu that passed away uh, on Rosh Chodesh Nisan when the inauguration of the Mishkan took place was it those that carried Aronoshel Yosef. Um, in any case, they were given the mitzvah of Pesach Sheni. So again, the wording of the Pasuk, Why is there a stress? Those people said. They said. Those people said. Like with a emphasis on those specific people. So the Midrash picks up, the Sifri picks up on this, and uh, the Sifri says, B'Shem Rebbe, B'Shem Rabbeinu HaKadosh, that they didn't send a messenger, they came themselves to ask. And the question is, why is that significant? The Torah doesn't just tell us that they didn't text the question, they didn't call the rabbi on the phone, they didn't send the spokesman. They actually approached themselves, they all approached Moshe Rabbeinu as a group, and they asked him, why, why is that important? So the Sefer Panim Yafot is a beautiful Sefer Torah, Panim Yafot, it's full of deep 
analysis. Some of it is Alderich Pilpul and some of it is even Kabbalistic in nature. It's written by the Hafla, the, the great Rav of Frankfurt who was one of the uh, Rabbeim of the, of the Chatam Tzofa. And he writes over there that there's a fundamental halacha that was created by dint of the fact that they asked their question together. What's that? And he explains like this, and this is really a, and this is why it's a fascinating halacha concept, because it really opens up a lot of insight into the whole dynamic of asking a, sh- a shayla from Bezdin, or asking a shayla from a rov, and we'll see soon that there are different ways of asking a shayla, there are different ways of who's asking a shayla that will determine variance in halacha Uh If if I remember correctly, Chamovadya used to, was fond of this idea of how you ask the question. If it's a Svaradi, if it's an Ashkenazi, if you're asking on behalf of yourself, you're asking on somebody else. If you're asking on behalf of a group, if you're asking on behalf of an individual, what are the financial uh, situations of the people involved? So here's one of the halachic variants in how to ask a question. Says the Panim Yafot. He says like this. He says, in reality... It's not so clear that the people who carried the mitah, that carried the coffin of, let's say, Yosef, if that's who we're talking about over here, that each one of them is Tameh. Why is that? If a person touches a dead body, he certainly becomes Tameh. He's certainly not fit to bring a karban. If a person only carried, was only transporting, not touching the dead body itself, but only involved in the transportation the only one or the only ones that become Tameh are the ones who are actually carrying. The ones that are bearing the weight of the of the Met, of the Mitah. Not those that are just helping. This this, this principle is known in Halakha as Misayeah En Bo Mamash. Somebody who's just helping but the not bearing the weight of something, it's, uh, this is relevant in Hilchot Shabbat and other areas of Allah, is not considered bear, bearing the weight. It's possible that there were a number of people over there that were carrying the mitah. Not all of them were Tameh. And maybe it's quite probable that there are not all of them that were Tameh. The only thing is, it would be impossible afterwards to know who was bearing the weight. If... Who out of the ten people that were carrying Aronosho Yosef, let's say, if they would step aside, um, would would still uh, would the, would the mita still be born aloft? So who was only a misayeh and who was actually carrying would determine who was tamei or not. So the real truth of the matter is that they, that each individual had legitimate grounds for a safek. Maybe he was not tamei. Now, as a halachic principle. If people are in a public place, it might be different if you're in a secluded place. That's a subject of its own. But in a in a, pro, in a public place, if if a person becomes exposed to tumah, to something that would render him uh, unpure for karbanot, for truma, entering the base of English, and so on, the halakha is that he has a chazaka. One of the great halakhic principles is that in a case of doubt, things have a chazaka. You don't have to measure a mikvah Every day to make sure that it's kosher, that it, that it's that it, that's kosher. You could rely on the fact that you checked it yesterday. How often do you have to check it within reasonable doubt? Why is that? As a halakhic principle, something has a chazaka, 
something has a halachic status quo as being what it was and what it is until proven otherwise. That would be true, by the way, every time, any time somebody gets into a situation where there's a safek if he, uh, became tameh, doesn't make a difference if it's about touching a dead body or touching somebody who is impure or touching a dead, uh, sheret. Any way you look at it, there would be a chazaka. Why would there not be a chazaka? Why would we be, why would we be metame these people over here? And that's because of a principle known as shnei shvilin. Fascinating discussion in, in Mesechet Psachim Dafyud, those that learned uh, Dafyomi recently. Um, the case over there that's discussed is where two people are, let's say there are two ways to get from point A to point B. There are two paths through a wooded area, let's say. Um, one person walked on one path, one person walked on another path. They meet up on the other end, they realize one of them has to be Tameh because it came to their attention that underneath one of these paths, there's a dead body. One of them certainly is Tameh. The only question is who? Now, if Ruvain, the man who went down path A, would go to uh, to, the, to the rabbi, and he would ask him, the, the Chacham would properly tell him, that would be the Halacha, that he's Tahor. It's a Safek. If he's Tameh, he has a Chazakah. If Shimon would go to the rabbi, it would be the same. Not only that, but if Ruvain and Shimon go separately to the to the same rabbi, even though he knows that one of them is Tameh, but each one has a Chazakah, the halacha is that each one is Tahor. However, if Ruvain and Shimon go together, Rashi explains that they go literally and they ask their questions. Either one of them asks for both, or they, they come together and they ask their questions What's called by in in the Gemara tochkidei dibur. Literally, they're asking one thing. They're asked one after another. That's called they're asking one question. One question you can't answer by saying to both of them they're tahor. That's an incorrect psak. One of them is certainly tameh. Says the panim yafot that if all of them came to ask Moshe Rabbeinu together, what should we do? Are we tameh? You can't pass in tahor. So you have to tell all of them that they're safek tameh. That's why it says, They're all there, they all asked together. And because they all asked together, they were given one psaq. This is what he says. Now, to explain the pasuk in Chumash that way is not so straightforward because this din that it's all rendered one psaq by dint of the fact that they all asked together, is a dinder abanan. Tosvot and other Rishonim explain that way in Psachim. So to explain a pasuk in Chumash, even though the idea is a beautiful idea, but it wouldn't be necessarily uh, the right pshat. However, that itself is not such a question because there are cases, it would seem from the poskim, that there are cases where there would be a dindoraita that you have to answer two questions that are turned into one, you have to, uh, you, this, this idea that you can't answer Tahor when the two are, can't be compatible might be even on a level Doraita. Let's give an example. This, uh, is, is, example is explained by the Sefer Achiezer from the great Gadol Reb Chaim who was the Gadol Ador, the Rav of Vilna before World War II, and he explains 
a concept which is found in in uh, Bababatra uh, Lamed Aleph, and in Bababatra, it's the case is where two Adim, two witnesses came to Beddin, and they testified that uh, a certain sale happened or a certain uh, loan took place, and two other Adim came. We'll call the first Adim Ruven and Shimon. The second aid, the second group of aid were called Levi and Yehuda. They came to Bedin and they bore testimony the opposite of the first group. Now, somebody's lying over here. Because somebody, one of them is not telling the truth, obviously. Now, if, there's nothing you can do about it. This loan or this uh, merchandise or whatever the case was, you're stuck in a dead, and whoever's holding on to the money will continue holding on to it. But let's say the Adim walk away. Um, can the two Adim from here and the two Adim from there go their own way and be considered reliable witnesses for a different case? Yes, because each one has a cheskat kashrut. You don't know. You're in doubt. They might be lawyers, but they might not be. They have a cheskat kashrut. Same idea we just discussed. However, what happens if you take one aid from one group and one aid from another group and you'd want to use them together for witnesses by a wedding? Are they kosher witnesses? If they lied in Bedin, by the way, they're considered false edim. They are not kosher for another edut until you know that they did tshuva or whatever. Um, would they be allowed to join up an aid from the first group and aid from the second group? You know for sure that somebody's a liar. One of these two guys was a liar last week in Bedin by the above mentioned story. So what do you do? It says that it's pasul. Ask that that should not be true. Even if you have the two of them together, each one, each one has a chazaka. That's uh, the case. We have uh, two people going down two paths. You tell both of them the tahor. What do you want to tell me? They asked together, but that's only dinder abanan. Here, in this case, it would seem from Baba Basu Lamed Aleph that it's a dindoraita. Explains Achiezer that here's different, because since they last week said Edus together in Bezdin, their Edut, by definition, was a face-off from one to the other. They turned themselves into one story. They're not two Shilas that were incidentally turned into one because they were asked as one. They're inherently one Shila. Because last week, the Din Torah over that loan or that merchandise created a dynamic where we have four people here. Of these four people, two are yeah good and two are not good. They're not two Shilas, they're two people that are talui zebaze. That on a Doraita level, we cannot say Chazaka. You can't use Chazaka where you have one thing that's uh, that's a stiramine ube, that's self, self-contradictory. Where it's two she'elot, which happen to have been asked together, there you could say that it's two she'elot, and you could pass them for each one that's becheskat kashrut, but not where it's one she'elah. This is the way, this is the way the Achiezer says it. And now let's extrapolate something which is more halachalamaisa, um, halachot that we're more familiar with. The Gemara says that three women, it's not so common, Bismanazer, three women wore one garment. Um, if it was a white garment, um, and there was a, the third woman takes the garment off, and she finds a bloodstain. That bloodstain would be mitameh. A woman finds a bloodstain on 
her clothing, so she's tame. What happens if three women, it's not so likely, but what happens if three women wore the same article of clothing, it's an apron or whatever it is, you find a blood stain. Now, one of the women were tame. What do you do with three women? So the Rishonim, and these are quoted in Yoridea, Simon Kuf Tzadi, um, are tame all three. And the question is, based on Rajba, why would we be Tameh all three? Each one has a Cheskat Kashrut, which is a very important principle in, Hil- in Hilchot Nida, that when there's something, when a woman is Tahor, so you're allowed to use Chazaka, you're allowed to use the Halachot of Chazakot in order to determine that she has the status quo of Tahorah. Very important in many Shailot of, uh, of, of uh, Paskening on uh, on dam by a woman. In any case, over here we say that all three of them are tame, and the way it's explained is that the question of all three, there, it's really one question, right? Because presenting who's tame, so it's one question, so they're all tame. Really, what happens if all three of them ask separately? And the answer explained by the uh, Sefer Crazy who plays it, one of the classic poskim in Hilchot uh, Nidan, all over, in uh, all areas of Torah. Um, he explains that the three of them are really Taluzebazeb. Why? Because when the third woman takes off the garment, so she, ostensibly she should be Tameh. What does she say? She says, no, 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 maybe it was the other woman. Woman number two says, well, maybe it was woman number three. Woman number one says, maybe it was number two, and so on. So each one is really linking themselves up in order to be Torah with the other one. If that's the case, each one really is making themselves into, into two sides of the same coin with the, with, each of the women is making herself talui in the other women. So then by definition, it's one question. There's one question of, well, who should we be tole? So then they're intrinsically one question. Similar to what we just explained by two groups of Adam. Um, you could say it differently even. You could say that by a ketem, the question is not which woman had a Period. Which woman saw dam? It's what is the status of this garment, and that garment imposes the status of tmea on the woman who is wearing it. So there's really only one question. The question is: Is this garment tmea, and what does that do for the women who wore it? So over there, also, it's a question of three questions, three questioners. The status of each one is separate, but it's really one question where they're all sort of. Ask, they're all intrinsically tied to each other, and therefore the question is one question. You can't say to all of them, you tahor, so then you have to say to all three of them, tmea, at least misafek. So this is some of the ideas. We see over here how important the dynamic of how a question is asked. Let's say if you'd have one question, which would have different ramifications for a svardi, for an Ashkenazi, the question is asked together, um, could you, Paskin in a way that goes for both. No, you have to separate the 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 question. Kifi, um, who's asking, and so on and so forth. A lot of examples of that. This is one of the interesting uh, examples of this type of idea. This audio series has been brought to you by the Sephardic Halacha Center. The center is committed to advancing research and application of halacha in the Sephardic community nationwide. For a halachic consultation monetary Bedin services to order this series or to sign up to receive the Sephardic Halakha Journal or for all other information please call 1-844-200-TSHC or email info 
at thehc.org to subscribe.